This is Capitalize Your Finances, the show representing you, a select group of excited, ready, and fired up listeners seeking to potentially maximize your money moves and get after it. We don't settle for generic advice of always and nevers. Our currency is our intellect, and we constantly seek the logical way of likely creating advantages to potentially maximize wealth for your personal and unique situations. This show brings you the step-by-step framework to capitalize your finances in all aspects of your financial situation. And we strive to explore strategies and ideas to potentially help you capitalize on your financial decisions. We are capitalizers and this is our show. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Finances. I'm your host, Christopher A. Paniotu, the Cap and Capitalize. And today, we are going to figure out how to strategically annihilate debts in the most efficient way possible. For those of you that are new to Capitalize, on behalf of all the fellow capitalizers out there, I want to give you a warm welcome and assure you that if you are looking to capitalize your finances, you have come to the right place. At this point, fans have heard me say this once or twice, but for you newbies, I want to strongly recommend you start to listen from my episode, What is Your Purpose? and onward. As my framework is structured to provide you with the step-by-step of capitalized financial. Now that we have that exciting little precursor out of the way, let's make it happen. If you remember in my previous episode, how to capitalize your debt, I had you think of the good and bad debts that are out there. Now that you have written these down, or at the very least thought of them, your next step is going to be to order these in the best way possible on getting rid of these suckers. Sounds pretty easy, right? Well, not so fast. Capitalizing your finances is meant to be simple, so I will keep it simple as promised. That being said, what also comes along with being a capitalizer is knowing with confidence the what, when, how, etc. on what you are doing. So by the time you are on your way to true capitalization, you can not only do so with that much more confidence, but you can also help those around you get to where you have ended up. That's what it's all about. Before we dive into the action steps, it is worthwhile knowing what is a good or bad debt rate. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Chris, didn't you dedicate the entire previous episode to this exact topic? Aren't you just repeating yourself? Now, clearly, you weren't listening. Totally. Notice how I said good or bad debt rate. That last word is incredibly key. There's a big difference when you simply add or alter one word in the world of finance. So be careful not to skip over this stuff. In the long run, nobody skims through to success. For those of you who think you have, you haven't gone long enough. Your time will come, unless of course, you follow Capitalize Your Finances framework to a T. Attacking the debt based on the interest rate is somehow a controversial topic. Although based on math alone, I don't see why it has any controversy. 
Take two interest rates as an example. Let's say these are investments and not types of debts. That makes it more fun. Investment number one will earn you a return of 6%. Investment number two will earn you a return of 14%. Which one would you rather invest in? The answer is obvious, investment number two. Now, why is that? Well, again, this is obvious. Investment number two's return is not only more, but over time, those dollars will grow faster upon the already grown dollars as compared to investment number one. If this answer is so obvious, here's my question to you. Why is debt any different? Taking the example and converting it back to debt, the fun is over. Let's go through that same scenario. Debt number one charges you a 6% interest rate over time. Debt number two charges you a 14% interest rate over time. Hmm. You probably know where I'm going with this, but wouldn't the 14% interest rate hurt much more over time? If that's the case, shouldn't you tackle that debt first? Okay, now we are getting somewhere. Some of you are probably thinking, okay, order the debts by interest rates and attack from the largest rate down. Next episode, Chris, let's go! But unfortunately, you anxious Alexes out there are a bit too impatient because that is not the entire story. And yes, I just made up anxious Alex on the spot. What if there comes a point where your interest rates are so low that you are costing yourself in the long run by paying those debts off too fast? If your mind is blown at what I just said, that's okay. You can pause and go lay down for a bit if need be. The cap and capitalize is pro-nap, post-learning something mind-blowing. You may be one of those that fall into the category of being indoctrinated into the idea of focusing on the smallest debt balance first and working your way up. I can tell you that I completely understand where you are coming from. But unfortunately, that is the short-term gain for a long-term pain approach. I can also tell you that if you have listened to other so-called financial gurus out there that preach this stuff, shame on them, not shame on you. Dave Ramsey is a prime example of focusing on the little wins and being completely debt-free. I hate to say this, but he's telling you because it's an easy thing to say and do. Newsflash capitalizers, just because something is easy, that does not mean it's right. You are infinitely better than that. Go back to when I said there is such a thing as paying off debts too fast. Some of you are probably still scratching your head at this one. I have so many nicknames for this guy. I would like to follow up with something like have freshly gouged skin due to Chris chatting your ear off about debt. Does it sting like none other? This episode is sponsored by Neosporin. Unfortunately, Neosporin's spokesperson has not gotten back to me. So alas, yet another free plug by the cap 
in Capitalize. After you've applied a thorough layer of Neosporin, lock back into paying off these debts too fast. I want you to be thinking of what rate of interest is too low to pass up. This can be tricky and there is definitely no one size fits all answer, but let's start with some easy ones. Take your credit card debt. Chances are that these interest rates or APR is pretty stinking high. Let's say it's an absolute monster at a whopping 27%. Ouch. Let's also think about this. Do you think you could invest your money to earn a better return than 27%? If you said yes, give me your contact information so I can hire you immediately as my personal chief investment officer. In all seriousness, chances are, unless you strike the jackpot of investments, in the long run, a 27% rate of return, it's out of the question. So if you had extra money after your bills were paid and your emergency fund was secure, it would probably make sense to take anything you had left over and throw that money at this puppy until it is obliterated. Now, let's move on to something more tricky, but not too tricky. Being too tricky at this point would just be mean. And I'm not mean, I'm nice. Let's say that you have a random loan with an interest rate of 14%. Is that as high as 27%? Absolutely not. And thank goodness. Is it still high? I'd say that's still not great. So yep, this one is still a bugger. So after you kill off the 27 percenter, I would then take those dollars going toward the previous debt plus the extra money after your bills, emergency fund, etc., and attack this monster. This term is commonly referred to as debt snowball. Okie dokie. Now, let's take it up a notch. What if you have a debt with an interest rate of 8%? Hmm. This one is interesting and can be debated until the cows come home. I would say that the answer depends. I know that is the world's least enjoyed answer, but it's true. Without spilling the beans on future episodes, such as capitalize your investments, cheers to self-plugging myself in my own show, let me sprinkle in a tidbit of information that is an important one to know. According to an article, Three Against One, A Battle of Index Funds, my friend and guest on past episodes, Dr. Craig Israelson, constructed a study showing how certain investment indexes have performed over time. He analyzed that the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index earned a return of 5.89% from 1999 to 2016. Now, we could debate on the timing of this study as 1999 was at the peak of the dot-com bubble bursting, followed by the Great Recession, etc. But I'm not here to be a whiny academic. What I am here to say is that 8% is larger than 5.83%. So for this discussion, I'd knock out the 8%. I want you to note 
that I specifically took Craig's time frame as it was a rough 16-year stretch for investing. According to Investopedia's article, what is the average annual return for the S&P 500? The average annual return since adopting 500 stocks in the index in 1957 through 2018 is roughly 8%. <sighs> Uh-oh, Chris, why did you do that? I wanted to throw that last tidbit out because I need for you to drive this home. If you had two investment choices, one would guarantee you an 8% return and another could earn you roughly 8%, you would and should take that guaranteed return all day long. Now, let's put it into practice. You have an 8% interest rate on your debt or you could earn 8% by investing this money. You get the picture. Now, let's say you have a mortgage at a 3.5% interest rate. Okay, hold on a moment. Go back to Investopedia's study and Craig's research. Is 3.5% less than 5.83 and 8? Yes to both. Are the latter options guaranteed? No. And I should add that past performance does not guarantee future results. With that being said, however, I would hope and pray to all of the gods that you could earn a better long-term return than 3.5%. To put this into successful action, I want you to do the following. Step one. In order of interest rates from highest to lowest, write down your debts. I want you to write the balances, interest rates, and monthly payments you are supposed to be making. Step two, make sure your emergency fund is intact. Step three, look at your expenses and anything you have left over. Throw those dollars at the highest debt you have and snowball this process until you get to a debt rate that you have that is below what I would consider a reasonable, achievable, long-term rate of return. For simplicity, I would use 6%. Step four, once you have paid off those debts above 6%, Keep paying what you pay monthly to your remaining debts, but do not overpay on them. Capitalizers, you have now completed in totality how to capitalize your debt. We ripped through debt 411, how to capitalize your debt, and now you have strategized your deck stack. People, this is freaking exciting. You have now completed the entire first section of Capitalize Your Finances. We have a long way to go, but enjoy the fact that you now have everything you need to capitalize today's finances to the fullest. If you have loved capitalizing your finances, please make sure to share with friends and family as I want to make sure the Capitalize family helps as many people as possible. 
For those of you that have made it through my framework thus far, I am so incredibly proud of you and just wait to see what I have in store because you haven't seen nothing yet. If you have any questions on capitalizing today's finances, as always, please reach out to me at chrisp at luciacap.com or give me a call at 253-214-7844. That's 253-214-7844. Now that you have capitalized today's finances, you know what that means? Since you have capitalized today, now let's attack Capitalize Tomorrow. With that, as always, this is Christopher A. Paniotu, the Cap and Capitalize, and cheers to my fellow capitalizers for making it this far. Treat yourself, you earned it. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. To the extent that this material concerns tax matters, it is not intended or written to be used and cannot be used by a taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding penalties that may be imposed by law. Each taxpayer should seek independent advice from a tax professional based on his or her individual circumstances. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments purchased and or investment strategies devised by Lucia Capital Group, will be either suitable or profitable for a client's or prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principal. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the presentation or any component thereof serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice from Lucia Capital Group or from any other investment professional. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. However, its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Examples cited are hypothetical, are for illustrative purposes only, are not guaranteed, and subject to potential federal and state law amendments. There is no guarantee that you will achieve the results discussed or illustrated. ETFs are subject to market fluctuation and the risks of their underlying investments. ETFs are subject to management fees and other expenses. Unlike mutual funds, ETF shares are bought and sold at market price, which may be higher or lower than their NAV and are not individually redeemed from the fund. Before investing, carefully consider an ETF's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. To obtain a prospectus or summary prospectus, which contains this and other information, call your financial advisor. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. S&P 500 Index is an unmanaged index and includes a representative sample of large-cap U.S. companies in leading industries. An investment may not be made directly in an index. Christopher Paniotu is a registered representative with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and member FINRA SIPC. The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital Group, a separate entity from LPL Financial. Dave Ramsey and Craig Israelson are not affiliated with Lucia Capital Group or LPL Financial.